Thanks for listening to Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us Sunday mornings at the Somerville campus at 9 or 11 a.m. and at the North Charleston campus at 1045 a.m. Thank you. We hope God richly blesses you through listening. Take your Bibles out and turn to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife the daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dabbed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid and got it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept, and she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh said to her, Go. And the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away, nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. And so the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And so she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Father, I I pray today that as we open up your word this morning, you will just speak to our hearts, that there will be an anointing of your spirit present today to anoint me as I preach and anoint our ears to hear what you have to say today, what the Holy Spirit would speak to the church and especially the mothers here today. And so I pray you'll do your precious work. We love you, God. We ask this in your mighty name. Amen. Turn to someone, tell them happy Mother's Day. They look great. And then you may be seated. Moses has got to be one of my all-time heroes of faith. Just an incredible giant in the entire word of God. One of the greatest guys to ever live. He, he uh, Probably the greatest miracles in the Old Testament were, were led by Moses. Moses goes up and he stands before Pharaoh and he is not afraid. And he brings plague after plague down upon the Egyptian nation. And because of the faith of this incredible giant Moses. He takes a nation out of the womb of Egypt and he delivers them and takes them to the promised land. It's Moses who went to Mount Sinai. And you know the story. He goes on top of the mountain and the mountain's on fire and the cloud's there and he gets the law from God and he comes walking down and and he brings us the law that we have to this day. The great exodus, taking uh, two million people across the Sinai Peninsula and moving them to the banks of the Jordan River. What an incredible miracle that God would sustain the nation of Israel through that that entire journey. And he bore with Israel throughout their murmurings uh, and complainings and, and, and got them to the brink of the promised land. Uh, An incredible guy. He's the only guy in the Old Testament to be called a friend of God. What, what, what a great moniker to be called a friend of God. Now, I've got good news. In the New Testament, every single child of God is called a friend of God. And so we all wear that title today. But Moses in the Old Testament, the only one to be called 
a friend of God. And yet behind this great giant of faith is a mother. A mother whose name is not as well known. You know the name Moses. That, that, that's very easy for anybody to know and remember. Uh, but how many really know the name Jochebed? And yet Jochebed is the mother of Moses, the mother of this great, great leader. And In fact, uh, as your kids begin to accomplish great things, no matter what they may be, uh, mothers, you won't, they'll forget your name. They'll call you the mother of Moses. Or, or, or maybe in the mother of Miriam, which was another daughter she had. And Miriam was this incredible praiser. And we get a picture of after they crossed the Jordan River or the Red Sea and, and God's taking them across on dry ground and they get to the other side. Miriam gets her tambourine out and she begins to dance uh, and she begins to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and what a wonderful woman of praise. She might have been known as the mother of Aaron. Aaron, the first priest of the nation of Israel. Aaron, who would be the mouthpiece for Moses. And so she has three incredible great children. uh, And and she might be known as the mother of so-and-so. Mother of Moses. And that's what Jochebed would have wanted. I think think every mother here wants your children to surpass them in greatness, wants your children to succeed, uh, wants your children to be kingdom leaders. Uh, and, and she believed that God would do great things through her kids, through her children. She absolutely had faith and believed that. And she taught them uh, a, a, about faith, uh, and she modeled faith before their lives. Uh, and as a result, uh, these became some of the greatest kids to ever live. Great example of faith. Listen, ladies, I want to tell you, mothers, the greatest heritage you can give to your children is a heritage of faith. Faith in God above everything else. Greatness is found in God's kingdom. Now, we want to look this morning at how she did it. And then you have outlines on the back. You can look at that and follow along with it this morning. How, how was she able to, to, to make her kids great? How, how did she succeed in raising three incredible children, especially Moses? We'll learn some lessons this morning from from the book of Exodus. First of all, Jochebed is a lady of courage. She's got phenomenal courage. Now, let me give you the background of this story. Joseph has been taken into slavery. He was sold into slavery by his brothers several generations earlier. And he goes down into Egypt and God would raise Joseph up and Joseph would be used by God to literally save his not only the whole nation of Israel, uh, the whole nation of Egypt, but his family. And so th- there's a famine that goes throughout the land. Uh, and because God had revealed to Joseph what was going to happen, he puts away food, groceries, all that kind of stuff. And as a result, he's able to save his own family. His father, his brothers, they're all brought back down into Egypt. And after they are saved from starvation, you've come to the end of Genesis. And by the time you get to the end of Genesis, the entire, his entire family has now moved down into the land of Egypt, into a region called Goshen. After Joseph's generation dies out, though, and all his brothers die, his dad's dead, Joseph is gone, they're all dead. You get to Exodus chapter 1 and verse number 8. And it says there, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And so Pharaoh is going to begin to afflict 
the nation of Israel. They're growing. They're getting stronger. Uh, uh, the, the, the God's blessing the nation of Israel inside the womb of Egypt. And so, so he's going to bring heavy uh, uh, cruel slavery upon them. They're going to build his palaces. Uh, they're going to build the pyramids you see now. They're going to build all the construction projects in the Middle East. Uh, and they are, they are pressed into forced labor. And look at verse number 12. It says there, and the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. So the harder Pharaoh becomes on Israel, the more they multiply and grow. It, it kind of reminds us of the New Testament when he talks about the New Testament church. The more they persecuted the church, the more the church spread out and spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the more the kingdom of God grew. And so it was in the nation of Egypt. And so Pharaoh's thinking to himself, if I let this keep on going like it is, one day Israel's going to raise up a massive army and they're going to betray us and turn against Egypt. And so he hatches this plot. I'm going to kill all the male children that are born. Every male child that is born is going to be exterminated, killed, put to death. In fact, he would send his Hebrew midwives uh, and, and they, would, they would go in and at the time of birth, uh, they were immediately to abort that baby. Not let the baby live at all. And yet the Hebrew midwives couldn't do it. It says in verse 19, because the Hebrew women, are, uh, it says, uh, in verse 19, the Hebrew midwives got there and uh, they would never kill the babies. And so when the king says, what's going on? Verse 19, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives get there. And so the king says, if you can't get them at birth, I want you to take all the male children and throw them into the river. Verse 22. Now, now, let me just, just throw this in there. Just, just think about this. There's really no difference whether you kill your baby inside the womb or outside the womb. It's still murder. Just, just write it down. You can imagine Jochebed's fear as she looks at this brand new, beautiful baby boy. And she hid him every time the soldiers would come by. The Bible says she would hide him in the bulrushes uh, so no one could see him. Uh, and, and the soldiers would come by and she would try to cover his mouth and keep him quiet and say, don't make a sound. Uh, and she did that, the Bible says, for a period of three months. Uh, but the baby keeps crying and there's no way she could hide him any longer. Now, it's kind of reminiscent as you study history of the Jews hiding their families during the Holocaust. And you remember the story of Corey Timboom and the hiding place. And you remember the story of, the, the, of Anne Frank and these families living in the Netherlands uh, and, and the Roman Nazi soldiers are coming around. And you've seen the movies and you've seen the depictions uh, and every family that's hiding in an attic somewhere or down in the basement or hiding behind some concealed wall. What are they doing back there? Uh, the, the soldiers are walking through the, through the house and they're covering the mouths of their babies to try to keep them quiet. And eventually one child would whimper or cry out and they couldn't get to that baby and they would take that entire family and drag them off and put them on troop trains to the death camps or, or put them in the ghettos somewhere. And, and, and that's the way they herded the Jews up during World War II. And, and so this is kind of the sense you get when you look at Jochebed and her trying to hide her child she loves so much, this brand new bubbling baby boy. 
and, and because she loves her baby, she will do anything to save her baby. Now, let me give you a couple characteristics about love that I think stand out right here. Uh, first of all, turn, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4. It talks about love. And I believe this is kind of love that, that mothers have for their children. Love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. One of the characteristics about love is love always protects. It always covers over it. It, it, it protects. Probably there's, there's nothing more exciting than the joy of a brand new baby. You hold that baby in your arms. You look at that child. All your dreams, all your ambitions hang on that baby. And, 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 and yet now for Jochebed, her joy is turning to fear. Her joy is turning into uncertainty. And, and she's right in the middle of this very horrifying situation. But she is going to do everything she can to protect her baby because she loves her baby. And had she been found out hiding that baby, probably her and her husband would also have been put to death. But her life meant nothing if she could save her baby boy. Now, now for every mother, there is that motherly instinct to protect our children. Case in point. Go to their soccer games. Watch those mothers in the bleachers. Watch your little kid get run over on the soccer field. What happens? It's not the dad that says anything. He says, oh, he's tough. He'll make it. He'll survive. Uh, it's the mother who jumps up and says, don't you hit my kid. Don't you touch my baby. You say anything about a mother's kids and she becomes like a lion who's protecting the cubs, or her claws come out, her fangs come out, and this docile woman all of a sudden becomes a lion uh, in, in, the, in attack mode. Don't talk derogatory about her kids. Because it's that motherly instinct to always protect our children. And then another characteristic about love is love always perseveres. Perseveres. Uh, she makes this desperate attempt to save him by placing him in an ark made of bulrushes, the word of God says. An ark made of bulrushes. Now we know it's a little basket. But the word there is the same word used in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 14 where God instructs Noah to make an ark out of gopher wood and line it with pitch so that it would float. Uh, the very same thing they did with this little basket of papyrus reeds. They, they lined it with pitch so, so it would float. Uh, listen, I want to tell you, when you talk about an ark, an ark speaks of salvation or safety. And whether you're saving a family as Noah did from the flood and his entire family, or whether you're going to save one small baby, listen, our children have got to be safely in the ark. That's the most important thing. Are they in that ark of safety? Mothers, listen to me. The most important lesson you will ever teach your children is about salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's about how they can know God, how they can find God, how can they discover God for themselves. Uh, and the only ark of safety that any one of us have in this world in which we live is the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you in his hands? Are you saved? Do you know him? Mothers, teach your children who the ark is. The ark is Jesus. Teach your children about the Lord Jesus Christ. Teach your children how they can be saved, how they can find Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior because that's the only place of safety there is. Jochebed's courage kicks in. You can imagine her fears. You can imagine the tears that were being shed. You can imagine all the anguish she is going through. Uh, but she takes her child and places him in the ark of safety. I want to tell you, it takes courage today for a teenage girl who finds herself pregnant. And everybody around her says, go ahead and kill the baby. Go ahead and exterminate that child. No one will know the difference. And, and, and the boyfriend says, you know what? If you don't get rid of that baby, I'm out of here. I'm leaving you. And the parents look at their teenager and she's pregnant. And all their hopes and dreams have been hung on that teenage daughter and they say you know what if you'll just abort that baby i'll pay your way through college i'll, I'll help you to to make it and we'll do whatever it takes but but just your, your future's too bright go ahead and get rid of that child uh, go ahead and get rid of that baby go ahead and exterminate that little child you need to finish school it's going to be too much of a burden too much of a responsibility but when that teenager makes a decision uh, that she is going to save that baby and she takes that responsibility and she lays down her own life, uh, I want to tell you, it takes courage. It takes courage. Or even like Jochebed, uh, once the baby is born, uh, you put that child up for adoption. Uh, and that's essentially uh, what, what Jochebed did. Uh, she put her little baby up for adoption uh, for his own good, uh, for his own safety. Uh, and, and that little child is adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. I want to tell you, it takes courage. Uh, anybody can get a, an appointment uh, at abortion clinic and, and go have that kid put away and put out of their mind and out of their thinking. Uh, but it takes courage to say, you know what? What? I was responsible for my actions uh, and now I'm going to be responsible to raise this child. And with God's help, I'll raise this child to follow and serve the Lord. Listen, that, I want to tell you, that, my friend, takes courage. But like Jochebed, uh, she saw what that baby could become. Uh, she saw, as she looked at little Moses, uh, the potential of life for the kingdom of God uh, and had Jochebed, listen to me, Turn that child over to the officials for extermination. Uh, had she had that baby aborted, the future deliverer for the nation of Israel would have been destroyed. Now you think about that. Think about that, ladies. Every time the media says you've got a right to your own body, and you've got a right to choose and do what you want to, and it's your body. Think about that when you hear that on the media blasted in our ears. Uh, I want to tell you, listen, you have a right to raise your child to follow the Lord uh, and be an example of godliness and holiness uh, because who knows, uh, you might have the future deliverer inside of your womb. They put their faith in a bigger God and 
that faith in the bigger God, they overcame their fears. I believe when Jochebed told Moses the story of his deliverance, I believe as he was growing up, sitting in Pharaoh's court, and she would tell him during the daytime, you know what, let me tell you why you're here. Let me tell you how you got here. Let me tell you how God delivered you. It put seeds of faith in little Moses' heart and spirit that one day he would become himself a great deliverer, not just for his family, but for the entire nation. Incredible. If you will fear God, listen to me, people. If you fear God, you never need to fear anybody else. If you'll learn the fear of the Lord, you'll never need to fear anyone else. And every generation must decide that it will stand for what is right, no matter what everybody else is doing. And everybody else may be doing it, uh, and they may be turning their babies over to the officials, uh, but I've got to do what's right. Uh, I've got to protect and save my children. Do what's right. It takes courage. Uh, courage rises above the trials. Uh, courage rises above the pain. Uh, it may go against the grain uh, of popularity. Uh, it may go against convenience. Uh, but I want to tell you, courage stands up uh, and, and perseveres. I think the second incredible attribute you see about Jochebed is trust. The word trust. Incredible. You know, when she took Moses... And she placed him in that basket. Now I want you to follow me here. When she put her little baby, her three-month-old child, in a basket in a river filled with crocodiles. When she put her little baby in that basket, I believe it was if she was putting that baby into God's hands. Now follow me here. It's as if she gave her baby back to the Lord. It's the very same thing that every one of these parents uh, who stood before you today, uh, when they stood here with their child, they were saying in effect, we give our children to the Lord. We give them back to God. And it's if she placed them right in the middle of God's hand. You see, listen to me. If we believe, number one, that God is sovereign and he rules over all, and if we also believe that God loves us above everything else, uh, then ultimately he is in control. And we can trust him with that control because temper with his sovereignty is his love. And so God knows what's best. Nothing happens to the child of God by accident. But God can work out every situation, the Bible says, for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purposes. For ultimately, the same faith Jochebed had to trust God for her little baby is the same faith that Moses would need when he would stand in front of Pharaoh's court. Trust. Trust in God. And, and the incredible thing is Jochebed's trust is rewarded uh, because she strategically places this little basket very close to Pharaoh's court. And I believe there was some timing involved there. And I believe she had watched maybe Pharaoh's house and saw exactly when the daughter would come down to bathe. And she says, now's my opportunity. And she takes that little child and places that baby strategically where Pharaoh's daughter took her bath every single day. And I wanted to tell you, because of her trust, listen, the richest lady in all of Egypt adopts that baby. 
Isn't God incredible? She trusts God and God says, now I'll take care of everything from here. What an, what an awesome thing. Not only that, listen to me. Jochebed is brought into the family to nurse and nourish and nurture that brand new baby. And she gets paid for it. She gets paid for raising her own kid. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? When you mothers wish you get paid for raising your children. But that, that's what happens. When you will begin to trust God, God says, I'll take care of every detail of your life. I'll take care of your children. I'll take care of your family. I'll take care of you. Just put your trust in me. Just give your children over to me. And I will take care of all the rest. Moses is being strategically positioned by God in a new adoptive family for his divine destiny. Now, you can't always, mothers, listen to me. I said one of the things that love does is it protects. But you won't always be able to protect your child. There's going to come a time as they grow a little bit older that you can't always cover them and protect them. It's in those times you give them to God. There came the time when, when she could no longer hide the baby, when she could no longer protect the baby. So at that point, she turns the baby over to God who has bigger hands and is a greater protector. Think about it. Now, Moses is going to be educated in Egypt. He's going to be in Pharaoh's palace. And in, in, in Egypt, in Pharaoh's palace, he will probably be taught about the Egyptian gods, Osiris, Ra, the Nile River, Pharaoh himself. They had a whole pantheon of gods. While he's in Pharaoh's house, he will see the, the power of government. And he will see Egyptians come in and bow down before Pharaoh and kiss his ring. While he's in Pharaoh's court, she, he will witness the incredible opulence of the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth. While he is in Pharaoh's court, he is probably going to witness a pagan lifestyle of debauchery and drunkenness and immorality. In fact, Acts 7 and 22 says, And Moses learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. And so this is the culture he's going to be brought up in. But I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Listen to this. This is so incredible. Verse number 24. Hebrews eleven twenty-four. 24. Listen to me. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward, and by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, I just described what it might have been like in Egypt's palace, and yet when he becomes a man, he makes a choice. I am going to choose to identify with God, and I am going to choose to identify with the people of God. Now, my question is, how could he make such a choice? Surrounded by such a pagan influence. Well, let me tell you how. 
I believe every time he would go and learn about the gods of Egypt, he'd come home at the end of the school day and his mother would be right there. But let me tell you about the God who created the stars and the moon and the sun and everything you see. Listen, uh, there are families in here, Christian families in here, who their philosophy of education, their, their thought of education is we want to homeschool our children. Listen, if you can be at home with your kids, if a mother or father can be there and you can homeschool that child, I think that's awesome. There are others who will say, you know what, I can't be at home every day. There's no way I can homeschool my child. And so for my child, I'm going to find a great alternative. I'm going to find a wonderful Christian school. And I believe we, want to, we have one of the greatest Christian schools right here anywhere in the low country, Faith Christian School. And, 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 they, and they, they're going to get there and they're going to get a biblical worldview and learn about God and they'll learn science from a biblical perspective. And I think that's awesome, but we also know that not every family can afford to put their children in a Christian school. And so for the rest of you, you pretty much are committed to the South Carolina public school system. I, uh, we have some incredible Christ, uh, Christian teachers in this place that teach in our public school system. In our high school, Somerville High School, Fort Dorchester High School. Great Christian teachers who are there working in the public school systems. When my kids were growing up, I had three. And when they were growing up, Faith Christian School wasn't here at that time. It had not yet even existed or been formed. And so my kids went to Somerville School System. And so what happens is, what I did is every day when we sent them out to school, we placed them in God's hands. We put them in God's basket. And so we would pray for our kids before they left in the morning. And we would say, in the name of Jesus, cover my kids. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over every one of them. And Tanya prayed with them or I prayed with them. But someone was sure before they went out the door that day, there was somebody there to pray with our kids. And we were symbolically placing them in God's hands. We did exactly what Jochebed had to do. And, and we taught them about what it means to be a witness for Jesus Christ in your junior high school, in your elementary school, in your, in your high school classrooms. One day my oldest son Chad came home and he had just been made fun of for talking about Jesus Christ in school. And one of the teachers was very liberal and he was, he was kind of mocking Chad for his belief in God. And it might, might have been in science class. I don't know what class it was in, but he was being publicly called out and made fun of because he did not, he, because he believed and followed God. And so he had to go through that process, uh, but God was teaching him, uh, listen, if you can't stand for Jesus Christ in the public schools, you'll never stand for him when you're out there on the mission field several thousand miles away from your home. And they would go to the school, and in and, and, and public schools, they're taught about evolution, and, and, they're, and they're taught uh, their sex education classes, uh, and they'll talk about birth control, and the schools are filled with filthy language, uh, and, uh, and there's all kinds of promiscuity going on, and, uh, and, and 
Drug use is rampant. Alcohol is rampant. Uh, we don't have to chronicle the problems of our high school. And yet, many of us will choose to send our kids uh, to a public school. Uh, I want to tell you, when you do that, you can place them in God's hand. Uh, and God is able to keep them. Uh, and God is still able to raise up a righteous generation, uh, even though they may be found uh, in Egypt's palace. Place them in God's hand. And so little Moses would come in at the end of the day and he would talk about what was going on in Pharaoh's palace. Uh, and then Jochebed would say, well, let me tell you about your great, 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 great grandfather, a guy by the name of Abraham. Uh, and God has made a covenant with Abraham. Uh, and he says, I will make of you a great nation uh, and your seed will cover the entire earth. Uh, and we serve one true God. Uh, his name is Yahweh. And he'd learn about Yahweh, And when Moses saw the power and the worship of Pharaoh and all the gods of Pharaoh, Jochebed was right there and said, you know what? We serve a God who is over all and, the, and he raises up to power whom he will and he brings down whom he will. Never forget, it is God who is above all. And when Moses saw the immorality of the palace, Jochebed and Amram that were there and they could say, yes, but look what God can do through a covenant married relationship. Uh, and he, they modeled what it meant to be a home uh, and a family and what a real good godly marriage looked like. Uh, and when it came time to make a choice uh, whether to enjoy the pleasures for a season, uh, Moses himself becomes monogamous uh, and marries a woman uh, and has his own family uh, and they've discovered uh, that even though there may be pleasures in Egypt for a season, uh, only real contentment uh, and only real joy can be found in God. And when, when Moses saw the opulence of the palace, and he comes in, and he is dazzled by all the gold, uh, and all the diamonds, uh, and all the jewelry, uh, and, and all the furnishings. Uh, and he comes home, uh, and, he, and he tells his mom about all that he saw that day in the palace. Uh, I'm sure Jochebed was right there. Listen, let me tell you what Abraham saw. Abraham, uh, your great, great, great grandfather, he saw a city whose builder and maker is God. And this is nothing compared to what you're going to have in eternity. So it's no wonder when Moses is older, the Bible says he chose, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy pleasure for a season. Hallelujah. Amen. Moses had the courage uh, to stand against Pharaoh, even if it meant suffering afflictions uh, because his mother had taught him well. His mother had taught him well. When you have eternity in focus, listen to me. When you have eternity as your focus, there is no such thing as a sacrifice in this world. Giving up the pleasures of this world is nothing. It's not a sacrifice compared to what Christ has in store for those who love him. Hallelujah. I... Uh, my wife, my first wife, Tanya, went to be with the Lord almost three years ago now. And uh, but one of the blessings that, that I had in my life and Tanya had is we had the blessing of uh, God keeping her on this earth long enough to raise her three kids, to teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ, to instill faith into their lives 
and even to begin to mold the little grandchildren that she had a part in their lives and being a part of. And I'm grateful for that. Jochebed trusted in the Lord and laid her baby in God's hands. And the third thing you see about Jochebed, and I, I quickly hurry here, is that she is also a great woman of faith. Great woman of faith. Now, look at, look at uh, verse 23, Hebrews 11. You should be right there. Go back to verse 23. And it says there, listen to this, by faith Moses. Now, uh, let me just talk about that for a moment. If you really want to be correct, move the comma from the end of Moses to the end of the word faith. Because if you're not careful, you read that and you'll think that's talking about the faith of Moses. That's not what that verse is talking about. That verse is talking about the faith of Jochebed and Amram. And so it's really by faith, comma, Moses when he was born. Because babies don't have faith. They don't know what's going on. They just want their diaper changed. And so that's kind of where their world exists. By faith, comma, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. They were not afraid of the king's command. Now, the faith he's talking about there is the faith of Jochebed, his parents, and not Moses. And what do they mean? When they looked at that little bitty baby, they believed by faith God had great plans for, for, for Moses. Incredible plans. I mean, he's just a little kid, just a baby. He's just crying and, and being fed and nurtured. He's just a baby. But by faith, they saw a great, incredible future for that child. Jochebed. They had the, faith, the same kind of faith that Abraham had. Remember these stories now that Moses is going to write the Pentateuch. He'll write the first five books of the Old Testament. And so they don't have, they have oral tradition passed down from generation to generation. And they'd heard the story of Abraham and the faith of Abraham, how that when it came time for his obedience, he takes his only son, Isaac, and he lays him up on an altar. And Abraham had to have incredible faith to do that. But they also know that God gave him back and as it were, raised him up again off of that altar. And Jochebed believes if God did it for Abraham, he can do it for me. He's going to give me this child back some way, somehow. This child is destined for greatness. Look at verse 23 again. It says, she saw he was a beautiful child. Now, in, in the language here, this connotes more than just a cute kid. Okay? Because I'm going to tell you, everyone thinks their baby's cute. Everybody thinks their baby's a beautiful child. Especially grandparents. Oh, man, grandkids are the beautiful, most beautiful and the cutest ever. And if you want to know about somebody's grandkids, uh, just ask them and the pictures will roll out. This is my grandbaby. It, 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 I'm reminded of a story. And uh, Flip Wilson used to tell this story. And it was the story of a mother and her baby. And they were riding on a train. And they're riding on this train. And they're in the car. And she's holding her baby on her lap. And a guy comes through the train car. And he's a little bit inebriated. 
And he's kind of staggering through the car, and he looks down at the mother and that little baby. And, of course, when you're inebriated, you'll say anything, anywhere, anytime. And that guy, that, that man who's drunk says, that is the ugliest baby I have ever seen. And this, this mother becomes incensed. And everyone within her rises up because her baby has just been defamated. And so what happens is he, she calls for the conductor. And says, conductor, conductor, get here immediately. And the conductor comes and stands over the mother and that little baby. And the conductor says, ma'am, what is the matter? What's wrong? And says, this drunk man in this car has just insulted me. He's drunk. I want to be moved out of this seat immediately. And then the conductor says, man, I am so sorry. We can't control everybody's conduct on the train. Listen, if it will help you, I will move you into first class. And I'll tell you what I'll do. When you get there, I'll give your little monkey a banana. (laughs) I want to tell you, that's an ugly baby. But, but, but I believe Jochebed saw more than just a cute kid. But when she looks at that baby, she sees incredible potential for the kingdom of God. And God is positioning Moses for a very special and unique purpose. And Moses himself is going to be used to deliver his own family. Because when that death angel was coming to the land of Egypt, Moses, like every other Jewish man, uh, took the blood of a lamb uh, and, and cut that blood, uh, cut that lamb's throat, let the blood drip out, and took the lamb, uh, the blood of the lamb, and put it on top of the door and on the sides of the door. And the Bible says uh, that wherever I see the blood, I will pass over. And it's still the same today. Uh, he's looking for the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, and wherever I see the blood, I will pass over. Uh, And if you've got the blood of Jesus on your family, on your household, uh, the death angel will pass over. But it doesn't stop there. Not only does Moses use by God to deliver his own family, but he is going to be used by God to mightily deliver the entire nation of Israel. And when he gets to the Red Sea, and you know the story, the armies are closing in, and he has nowhere to turn. He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And he holds out the rod of God, and that that Red Sea opens up, and two million walk across on dry ground. What a great, great hero of faith. Jochebed, lady of courage. Lady who trusted God. Lady who had faith. That God would use his son for incredible things. Moses' faith all began with the faith of his mama. While she was still in slavery herself, she trusted in the Lord. Her faith carried her through the darkest days when she's hiding her baby out. And trying to save his life. Uh, She fought for her children. uh, And ultimately had to come to the place. Where she would place them in God's hands. Uh, Listen I want to tell you. That's the challenge for every single mother here today. Uh, Take your children. uh, 
Put them in the hands of the Lord. Uh, put them in the hands of God. Uh, listen, you're not always going to be able to watch over their shoulder. You won't always get to go where they're going. Uh, you won't be where they're at. Uh, but you can begin to put their hands uh, in, in God's hands. And, and how do you do that? You pray for them. Uh, you fast for them. Uh, you intercede for them. Uh, you say, God, they're yours. I can't do it. I give them over to you. There's a promise. Listen to Proverbs 22 and 6. Uh, Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You say, well, how do I position my child for God's purposes? How do I train my child in the way he should go? I want to give you three things real quick. Jot these down. Number one, teach them their unique purpose in the home. Teach them their unique purpose in the home and begin to show them that the home is not about the house, uh, the structure, the building, the furniture, the stuff that is there. That really doesn't matter. And I believe Jochebed, every time she got with Moses, she would say, it's not about the treasures in Egypt. Don't be dazzled by that. Uh, But teach them that when you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says your body becomes the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he lives inside of you. And so that becomes your home, your house, your habitation. And it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, that we have this treasure in earthen vessel, that the excellence of the power of God may be of God and not of us. Teach your children, too, about family and their place in the family. And teach them about priorities And teach them and say, you know what? I love you so, so very much. But also teach them your daddy comes first. Men, teach them your mother comes first. Uh, Teach them and show them a godly marriage. So that one day when they grow up, they'll understand their first priority is their marriage. That covenant they made. And they themselves have a much better chance of having a godly marriage, a covenant relationship. And teach them their unique purpose in all their relationships that children are a part of a larger family a family of faith that you belong in church you belong in church do i hear an amen there it's not about me and god and my kids and no more and we're going to hang at home and just do our own little thing on sunday morning i know i'm preaching to the choir because you're all here and i'm proud of you but listen god has a plan for his church And in church, those kids come into an incredible children's ministry like Pastor Jonathan has. And and you got a little foretaste of what he did on the platform this morning. And those kids will come uh, and and Jonathan comes along behind you and he reinforces everything you have been trying to teach to those kids as he tells them about the Lord. And listen, parents, keep your kids in the youth group. Uh, By all means, uh, there is so much temptation out there in their junior high and high school years. Uh, You get them here on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Don't let anything keep you at home. I don't care if it's, it's homework. God will take care of those kids. Hey, hey, listen. He'll, help, he'll give them what they need to pass that test. And by the way, just, just so you'll know, your kids have all weekend to do their homework. So when it comes Sunday night at 6 o'clock and says, Mom, i got to study tonight. <laughs> That's your fault, bucko. You're getting to church. Sports activities, athletic events, whatever it may be, 
just hanging out, watching TV. Listen, you get your kids to church on Sunday night because that youth group pastor Jason and Jonathan are going to come along and they're going to they're reinforce everything you're trying to do at home. Because let me tell you what the Word of God says. Listen to uh, uh, this verse, Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. So listen, one of your goals in life is to keep your kids walking with wise men. So then cells will be wise. Or believers, those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the lesson is simply this. Follow me here. No matter how hostile your environment may be, and there's single parents, there's single mothers here, and, and you're doing it by yourself. And man, listen, I commend you for your courage. And I believe God will help you and he will be your strength. Uh, and, but no matter how hostile your environment may be, a mother can teach your children about God and about God's grace and about God's greater plan and position our children for greatness. Hallelujah. What an example from God's word. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.